Good evening, everyone. Gong hei fa choi. Welcome to Pod Squadron, the show where we talk about the full scope of the Star Wars experience from the movies, TV shows, animation, games, comics, bo- comic books, themed experiences, merchandise, and your art and inspiration from the galaxy far, far away. Uh, in today's episode, uh, we're covering a number of things. We're covering Star Wars The Clone Wars. Second Battle of Geonosis, Season 2, Episodes 5 through 8. And we'll also be doing some other... topical topics uh, you know in the world of star wars today first of all before we get too deep into everything uh follow us on twitter facebook instagram find us on youtube like and subscribe and hit that bell icon so you can know when we have new content of course my name is andy Lowe. i am the chinese pirate i'm a director storyteller puppeteer performer and fight choreographer and we have tracy Hi, I'm Tracy, also known as Hot Nerd Girl, and I do writing and blogging and other things not related to my day job. And did you say Happy New Year in Chinese? Was that what you said? I did. I did. (gasps) Happy New Year. (laughs) And of course, we have Lexi. Hey, everybody. It's Lexi. I'm Feral Geek. Uh, I am an event uh, designer and aerialist and performance artist. Yeah. Uh, so like uh, like I said, actually, so yes, today is the first day of the Lunar New Year. So Lunar New Year, if you're kind of uh, trying to cover all your bases, uh, if uh, Vietnamese cultures refer to today as Tet, and of course Chinese New Year, I'm Chinese, so I call it Chinese New Year. Uh, so, uh, and then of course I am wearing my, my, uh, my bow shirt here. Oh, just, cute. Uh, in honor. Yeah. Also wearing red. There's all kind of little things, you know, you got to... Chinese people are superstitious as all heck, so you know you gotta make loud noises to scare away uh, scare away evil spirits and eat long noodles so you don't cut your life short. If you eat the fish, should you don't I just cut the randomly yell and... "boo" at you throughout the show? <laughs> no evil spirits. That's bad juju. <laughs> um, yes. So of course we are. Pod Squadron. Uh, first of all, thank you for being p- uh, patient with us here. We've, you know, we've uh, we're we're back. We're doing another show. We're kind of getting into the swing of things. Uh, we are on the Geekish Network, which we are, which hosts us proudly here on Twitch.tv slash Geekish Network. Uh, you can find out tons of other uh, content here. We're also going to thank Digital Click Marketing, uh, who are our partners in all of this, and uh, yeah. What's new, uh, guys? What's 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 new and happening with you guys? Um, you know, I'm talking about Chinese New Year. Um, you know, what's uh, what's uh, what what are you excited about for the year forty seven nineteen? Oh, is that what year it is? Forty seven nineteen. I don't like that. Yes, best. yes, because 2020, 2020 was such a shit show. I'm okay with leaving that number. Back. Exactly. <laughs> Forty one nineteen. Please. <laughs> Plus, it's more like we're in Star Star Trek. So uh, there you okay go. <laughs> yeah, I like it better. <laughs> not seeing any. <laughs> what have you been up to, Lexi? Uh, I just started studying to get certified as a death doula. A lot of people know about birth doulas, but there are end of life doulas, and you help uh, people and uh, who are on the way out and their families. It could be anything from like paperwork to helping them set up a memorial service, but uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's important stuff, man. Uh, Um, Oh, wow. Reading a lot about death and really 
I'm reading a lot about the force for all of our like Amazing. Star Wars book club stuff. And it's all just kind of blending together. And I really hope I get nerdy clients because I'm going to be like, yes, luminous beings. And someone's going <laughs> to at some point. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, honestly, we, we, we know it's, it's hard on everyone out there. Um, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of loss, honestly. Um, um, a lot of uh, hard things. It's been almost, almost a year now. Um, that we've all been in lockdown and um, you know uh, we've gotten a little bit of feedback from all of you guys about how much what we're doing um, here means to just have a little bit of normal in the abnormal as we talk about you know spaceships and you know uh, 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 space wizards and laser swords um, so hopefully we can provide that that little bit of solace um, that comes in the light of the light side of the force for all of you. But uh, that said, what do you guys think? Shall we, uh, shall we get into uh, clone wars? I mean, I, I haven't been up to anything at all, so that's cool. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> one out of three is not bad. I'm a little worried. He's not bad. Andy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll just say also I'm in a hotel room. I actually went to San Diego for Chinese New Year. Uh, so <laughs> this was a this also some discombobulation. So, hey, Tracy, how are you? Hi. Doing? <laughs> where you are on my screen. I don't know if that's accurate to everybody. <laughs> I mean, really, the most exciting thing that happened to me today was having concrete poured. <laughs> <laughs> at my house you're laying a foundation of put, new things for the new year i i am well i'm i'm making it easier to take my trash cans out and i uh i can now have a storage shed for all my gardening and farming stuff because i'm a farmer now <laughs> but um but I did do something because, you know, my, my goal with my garden is to make it as whimsical as possible. You know, I'm such a fan of fantasy and everything. And and so um, where the concrete ends and, you know, when you walk through the gate to go to the backyard where the concrete ends and the flagstone begins to kind of walk. And my backyard is very oddly shaped. It's like this big, huge U shape. So I there's kind of almost like four, four very distinct areas of uh, so. It, uh, I put right there kind of where the utilitarian part ends and the fantasy part begins um, <laughs> second start of the right and straight until morning. So that that was my little I, I wrote it upside down. So <sighs> it was very stressful. And I actually Wait, don't like tell the concrete down, guys like when you were, come back to get the stuff, but down, I brushed or? it out. Cause... No, but oh. Uh, no, like because it was on the edge, I kind of had to go like I kind of had to write like this, like or, or oh. you know, I was like upside down, or I like I was doing the writing upside down because I wanted you to be able to see it as you walked in the gate, but that was all wet right. concrete, so <laughs> I was writing it upside down and kind of trying to do it sideways, but um, but the concrete guys were very specific about how I should do this and. Uh, I wrote it in the wrong place and my OCD was not going to allow me to keep it there. So I took my own broom and sort of brushed it out to re to redo it. And they're totally going to notice it. And uh, I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, are you, are you also using the, the brush of the. Oh, I don't know how that happens. 
<laughs> oh no, I think once it dries, you won't be able to, it'll just look a, like a slightly rougher than the brushing that the concrete guys did. Cool. Yeah. No, yeah, so, yeah. I thought that, that you, that's something you also do so that there's like traction so it doesn't get too slick. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I was just making the traction better. Yeah, exactly. Totally you totally meant that. <laughs> So, and we got handprints in there and everything. And I, I put <laughs> Bailey's handprint in. And Oh, Bailey. Bailey is Tracy's uh, cat, forever cat. Um, my, yeah, my little soulmate who passed away yeah. in December. So she made an appearance on the show. Yeah. Um, <sighs> on that note. That was on that hard. note. Cool. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we decided that, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are like, you know what, um, I want to know more about Ahsoka Tano. Uh, I, I've heard great things about Clone Wars, but I also hear that, like, it's just a lot. There's seven season, seasons of, of material to, to watch. You know, I wish I could kind of get past, like, the Kitty episodes or, you know, focus on, like, what are the most important stories that can tell me more about Ahsoka. And so we decided that we were going to do this uh, this watch along um, um, that we're calling it, which is not that we're going to watch along like right now. It's going that we are watching along with you. You guys watch on Disney Plus as we watch, and we get to talk about it all together and kind of react to how uh, uh, these stories and this character development um, lead into the Ahsoka Tano that so many people have come to love. And so our first story arc that we decided to start with was Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 2, The Battle of Geonosis, which is the story arc from episodes 205 through 208. We're going to get into that right now. So here's a our starter synopsis or, you know, pseudo opening crawl here. Um after a daring mission of espionage by Senator Padme Amidala, General Anakin Skywalker returns with a disc containing plans for the largest droid factory built by the Separatists on the planet Geonosis. A daring plan to invade the planet is hatched. Jedi Generals Kayari Mundi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luminara Unduli, and Anakin Skywalker are sent with a massive invasion force. Their objectives? First, locate and destroy the new droid factory, pumping out massive forces of newly minted droids. Second, to capture Archduke Poggle the Lesser, who leads the forces on Geonosis. The relentless battle is hard won, and the cost is high, with casualties, forcing Jedi Padawans Ahsoka Tano and Barriss Offee to become fa come face to face for the uh, with the very limits of their training, challenging. Uh, challenging their uh, the trust they have in each other, as well as their respective masters, Luminara and Skywalker. And the deeper their mission takes them into the depths of the planet of Geonosis, the, the more moral gray in the nature of the conflict and sacrifice, the darker the tolls of this war becomes. My dot, grammar dot, was dot. a little bit off, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I wrote it quickly. <laughs> But you have the perfect voice for it, you know? Well, well, first of all, yeah, I was just thinking, man, I really hope somebody someday books him as, like, a narrator for a VO. <laughs> if there's anyone listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you guys think of these episodes? Um, well, Say again? We have, we, have a, we have some General Grievous action, which is always, like, he's... Kind of one of my favorites that I love to hate. 
so it, that's <laughs> kind of fun to, to revisit because there is so much Clone Wars and it has been years since I have watched it that I was like, I okay, so full disclosure, I started when I went and did my review. Um, it was after studying a bunch and I was kind of like in that study fog, right? And I straight up watched three episodes of like the wrong section of season two before going, wait a minute, this is... <laughs> And then when I was like, why doesn't this remind me? But it sucked you in anyways. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. How slow burn is this? Why aren't we talking about, why aren't we on geonosis? Oh, because, oh, what number? Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. And then I was like, oh, these are, you've got General Grievous in here. Fun. Great. Now, now I'm on the right track. Like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there General Grievous in this arc? Oh, there was. I'm just watching it on. <laughs> I think he actually he actually play uh, comes into play like later in the arc too. Actually, or mm-hmm. like towards the end of it, mm-hmm. and like right after too. Yeah, um, well, what did you get? What did you guys think of this uh, this this uh, the set of um, episodes? I'm well from from. Uh, f- oh, go ahead. Oh no! I was just saying. I, I I feel like I'm kind of the biggest Ahsoka stan of this group, and I feel like watching this arc, I noticed her less than I have any other time, which was hilarious to me. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like this is uh, this is actually you know one of the reasons why I, I chose this arc um, um, is in particular. So this is very much a turning point um, um, for them, right? Like they had gotten through the first season. Um, they were doing a lot of world building. They were still trying to gauge how adult they could go with uh, the audience. This episode, I think, you know, the, like the first episode where the, the landing on Point Rain is kind of the first gritty war scene, right? Where we actually see a battle where things the don't first go. Big battle go yeah. well or go the way they plan it to and there's some real uh you know I mean, we know everyone's going to survive but there's some real threat there um as you see this kind of very apocalypse now style landing sequence what were you uh starting it's off? the first uh time where there's an, there's a it's the first time where there's an uh an episode where there's an enemy where that they, they their jedi powers don't really work on them right right where they're not just like coming in With and the zombie, like, yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, they just, can't just walk in, kick ass, and taste, take names mm-hmm. because they're they're like so outnumbered. Um, um, you know, we we see the that that first kind of uh, you know, all of these uh, landing tr- uh, ships kind of come in, and you know, just ships just get picked off in the air <laughs> as they're trying to trying to to land and land these tanks. A very. Oh, I was talking about the zombie creatures, but. <laughs> oh, okay. I, well, I, I was starting from the first, the first, um, the first episode in the arc. Oh, I'm going ahead. Sorry. It's okay. I was jumping around too. I... <laughs> We've already established I can't keep anything in order. To... <laughs> <laughs> At least my internet, I think. So, so this is uh, also significant because it's the uh, it's also the first time uh, getting on to, to the episode you guys are talking about. So it's the first time we meet Barris Afi, who is um, um, a very important character in the arc of Ahsoka. Um, um, 
do you want to talk a, a little bit about her and how she's introduced? Yeah. Um, me, oh, I was going to say, were we directing that at me? Oh, man. Uh, sure. Or at whoever <laughs> has it. You, you look like you were looking for notes. So I figured I mean, you were getting ready to say I like, something. I was like, let's, let's not start with me because I'd have to go through my notes. <laughs> Oh. Or we can start with your notes. Like what? 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 I will what admit. Okay, so I will admit that when who's talking? Oh, uh, you are. I thought. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So I will admit that because it has been a really long time, and the animated series is my weak point. That when uh, Luminara first walked out, I was like, "Is that?" Is that Paris Offy? And I, because I remembered the spots, but I was like, they don't look like they're in the right place. And then when Paris Offy <laughs> walked out, then I was like, oh. You're like, oh, that she's makes the, one with the, the freckle looking ones versus the. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which they're the, they're the same species. Correct? I don't. I think maybe Paris and, and Luminara. Um, I am unsure. I know almost you nothing know, about them. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, just even just what we learn about them in this as they're they're introduced. They are both the same. Sorry, what, Lexi? They are both the same species. Apparently, they're Mary Allen. Mary Allen. Cool. Yeah, I I I just find it really interesting. Benjamin moment. <laughs> he, he maybe moved on to other projects, but he this is his legacy. <laughs> I'm sure Every time someone frees out, Benja. <laughs> <laughs> well, while Andy's coming back, I will say that um, the 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 teaching styles between Luminara and Anakin are so incredibly incredibly different. That conversation. I know I'm probably jumping ahead again, but the conversation that Ahsoka and Barris had in the cafeteria. Um, on the ship, you know, when they were, when they went off with the, um, the clones to, um, oh gosh, what were, they were dropping some, oh, they were giving supplies, right? They were doing a supply run. Um, that, that conversation that they had where, um, where Ahsoka is, is saying Anakin is, or Master Skywalker is, has very modern ideas. Is that what, was that the word she used? Was it like very modern ideas? I remember if it was modern, but like that was definitely the gist of it. And to me, it was great because you, you really kind of got a chance to, I feel like the, the trilogies focus so much on the more unconventional rogue Jedis that it is really great to get some context and see uh, how Anakin stacks up to somebody like Master Luminara. Oh, he's back. Although Luminara, she took off and, you know, I, I mean, by going on that, oh, we don't, we don't need a boy. It's okay. It'll just be me and Lexi. <laughs> um, the Illumina, Luminara going off in that sandstorm, that I feel like that was a very Anakin thing to do, whereas she seemed very by the book and super, super chill before that. Mm -hmm. That kind of, th that actually kind of threw me off a little bit when she was like, no, 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 I'm going, I'm going. Yeah. Um, it just 
it really was interesting because by complete coincidence, a week or two ago, I was rewatching some Rebels, uh, Star Wars Rebels episodes, and there's an episode where um, they get where like the main characters get lured in in Ezra. They think that they found another Jedi, another Force sensitive Jedi, and it turns out that Master Luminara's mummified remains are still so strong with the Force, and her Force ghost is still so wow. strong for them that uh, the Empire is using the bo- like J- Master Luminara's corpse or her mummy as bait. Uh, <gasps> Motherfuckers. Yeah. So it's just like really, really interesting wow. because the, the last time that I saw that character, she was like a force ghost and a, a mummy who was being like used against her. Well, I think they ended up blowing up the ship that she was on and I think like essentially space cremating her. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Um, so she didn't end up luring and winning Jedi to their death anymore, but yeah, so it was very, it was kind of a trip for me to be put back into this and to see that character alive. Um, yeah, the fun parts of jumping. How crazy would that have been if, how crazy would that have been if it was, if that was the force uh, that, um, that Grogu felt instead of Anakin? Ooh, I don't even Oh, we to- lost Andy again. Damn hotel. And he was like being lured by a force ghost. I know. That would have been <laughs> Andy's, a whole, yeah, Andy's in a hotel for Chinese New That would have been a, a whole different end of that season. Wow. It's not a theory that I heard though. So that would have been a pretty crazy one. Yeah, that, I, I didn't hear anybody tossing that fan theory around, which surprises me considering Rebels being what it was. Um, which what brings, I miss? <laughs> well, we were we were talking about the contrast like in between um, Anakin and Luminara, and then I was just saying that you know, sp- speaking of the fact that like I'm not doing anything in order, <laughs> I just happened. <laughs> I just happened to be watching <laughs> Rebels the other week, rewatching Rebels, and uh, saw an, uh, the arc where. Right. And Ezra get lured in by Luminara's mummy. Uh, Right. I was just saying that it was like kind of mind bending to go from one week watching like the episode where she's like dead and it's her mummy. And they're like, we got to space cremate her now so that her bones don't lure anybody else in. And to (laughs) to like watching her run off into a sandstorm (laughs) like a hero, you know. well, you know, I mean, th- so this is the thing. I-, I think it's really interesting, you know, just kind of watching how, you know, we're introduced to Anakin and Ahsoka and they're bickering and they're, you know, I mean, he very much treats her kind of as an equal until until he decides to mansplain her. Right. <laughs> um, 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 uh, and, and you know, they're uh, he's like overprotective, but he's also joshing her back and forth. like they're, they're, they're keeping score with each other. Right. Um, it's a very interesting dynamic compared to Luminara, who is very, you know, uh, uh, much more monk-like and kind of has, uh, uh, her, you know, Barris in a in a in a much more kind of controlled by the book, you know, do all your homework um, kind of way. Ahsoka and Anakin, especially in a battle, have way more of that Legolas and Gimli vibe, you know, where they're like three, four. That counted as two. What? Right. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> it takes out a warm. Totally thought of that, yeah. 
Okay, wait, we have a question. Mm-hmm. Ring Capacity wants to know if she was tied to her core. Wait, was she tied to her corpse since she didn't get the special force tra- force ghost training that Yoda got from the super force beings? Was she was, tied to her corpse oh. since she didn't get that special force ghost training that Yoda got from the super force beings? That's a good question. I I don't know. I would have to do a deep dive on on Luminara herself to probably like come up with a, a, a thought of that. I don't know that there's a I don't know that yeah, I don't know if there's a canon answer to that specifically. I mean, one could say that, you know, if uh, if there if there is a physical manifestation of the force in the the imprint of like one's midichlorians, uh, those are physically still there with the the remains of death, right? Um I uh but that's a good question. I don't know. Well, it does seem like the more the most force it does seem like that the people with the most force power it's like it's almost like ingrained in them already and they don't even need training. Yes, it it kind of feels like at least if, you know if you have like a, a mummified bed I kind of what you were saying at least speculative lore that uh the mummification would turn them into sort of like a force conduit. Yeah. Like the, you know, I remember in some of the old, um, old, uh, gosh, I can't remember what, I think it was in some of the old Thrawn books and they talked about the idea that, um, 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 like certain Jedi masters or even Sith masters could imprint a place with, uh, with their their energy or their right so like there was like some speculation that the dark force cave on Dagobah could be the place where um you know a powerful dark side use, user had died or something like that uh or, more discussion of that interestingly enough in the uh newest YA novel the Claudia Gray one into the dark oh really uh, which I I powered through and then kind of like looked around and went oh they're just three in the morning <laughs> uh, yeah um yeah no fin- finish that one finish that one too uh but there was that one has a lot of very interesting um she brings up several times that like yeah sometimes there can be trees that are very connected to the dark side and like i don't know if i just have to go do another deep dive or if, if i like need to try and get myself to a point where i can like have a conversation with claudia gray when i mean be like please Tell me about Dark Side Groot. I must <laughs> like where, like where, where in the lore did she pull this idea from? What's her con- concept of it? Because like I really want to know about dark trees. Are they like moon ants? Like I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, and now we're getting very off topic because I'm going all the way back to High Republic. Let's. let's... <laughs> Chronology is not my strong suit. Whip me into shape tonight, guys. We're, we're getting lots of. Lots of what? <laughs> We're getting lots of questions in the chat, by the way. Ooh, okay. We're getting lots of questions in the chat. Let's hear them. So, um, Ring Capacity followed up his question, wanting to know if that meant that she is st- uh, a st- uh, stronger with the Force than Yoda, Luminari. I think it's Luminara, pretty sorry. much. <laughs> I think Illuminati. it's pretty much. Um, I think it's pretty much generally considered that Yoda. No one. Other than Anakin has a higher midichlorian count than 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 Yoda, um, so she could be very very high, but I doubt if she's higher than than Yoda. 
It probably just has to do with her okay, so then- relationship to the Force because uh, the the whole Star Wars universe has been pretty good about, and especially now, more continually expanding on the fact that every Jedi has a unique um, relationship to the Force, a unique way of interacting with it that kind of informs their abilities, uh, which is why you never really see Anakin do a lot of battle meditation. <laughs> um, like not really his strong suit, even though he would probably have the brute strength to do it if he really needed to. Um, but he would probably find another solution that didn't involve sitting because he hates that as a character. Uh, <laughs> right. But to, to bring well, it back. Anakin to- is like the Jesus miracle baby, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is a Jesus. He's Yeah. He's the, the water into wine or the water into blue milk or whatever. Um, <laughs> or, or okay, so then, so then, tre- so then, Trek Table wants to know: Isn't that why Yoda went to Dagobah because it had that dark force that he could hide around? Yeah, so you know, the, I think there's the the trick is is that there's there's canon, and then there's uh, legends, and then there's new stuff. So it's like, yeah, I, I feel like I remember hearing um um one one uh, or like one book that was saying that he goes he goes to Dagobah specifically to hide because uh, he can you know sit on a bunch of dark force energy and therefore have his light side force be undetectable there's also plenty of lore where uh, jedi temples are built on top of uh, dark side temples right so that you know there's an effort to suppress dark side energies like the um, temple yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, I, I and i think i think all of that was just a cover for the fact that it was a swamp and he wanted access to premium frog legs because that's, oh, yes. a, new, that's a new canon <laughs> I sorry Kermit. Trait. they like they like eating frogs um, <laughs> i'm just imagining millions of tiny frogs on crutches <laughs> Well, it ruins your childhood when you're when you're making me picture Yoda eating Kermit. Like, <laughs> what have you done to my child? Well, well isn't 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 Yoda the 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 love child of of Yoda and and the, of of Miss Piggy and Kermit? <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going fratricide. That got really dark. Um, <laughs> Both spiritually and. Uh, literally uh do we have any other questions tracy uh we do it's it's something we've actually talked about before jen zaney is asking is star wars is fantasy or sci-fi because she feels like midichlorians make it pretend to be sci-fi but it's more fantasy i have made my stance on this very clear that i feel like like star trek is sci-fi star wars is epic space fantasy yeah I'm kind of with you on that too, right? I mean, the the, the definition of, of science fiction is is to take a, a scientific element and you know elaborate speculatively, um, but we're definitely in the realm of of space wizards. Yeah. So I, I generally go Star Wars is space opera and and fantasy. What do you think, Lexi? I would definitely agree with that, uh, especially because so much more of Star Wars revolves around that hero's journey uh, kind of character development arc, which is really a lot less central to not that sci-fi can't have can't incorporate that but that is a lot more characteristic of fantasy uh it leans on a lot more fantasy tropes i feel like the sci-fi is this is the setting 
Yeah, definitely agree. Space, space opera. Right. It just happens to have spaceships. Yes. Incidental, incidental yeah, and like, you know, I mean, instead and, of, and of course, you know, there are, and of course, there are some ways in which uh, scientific research is catching up with us. Mm -hmm. So there are potentially gravity wells where space travel, in theory, is is faster. They're, 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 they're theorizing, which sounds a lot like a hyperspace lane, but it's not exactly a hyperspace. It's not like a different dimension where you can, you know... <laughs> Cut a few light years off. Yeah, just cutting a few light years off. Just... Yes, we're all Trek fans also. Well, I know Andy and I are. Are you a Trek fan, Lexi? Yeah, I'm not like, uh, I'm not as well versed in in lore series history as you guys are, but I, I will never say no to Star Trek being put on, so. So, so bringing back to topic, um, I, uh, uh, so I want to call it this 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 quote. Um, um, the first time we see Luminara with um, with uh, uh, Paris, she says to her about about Anakin and, and Ahsoka. Let's just say they have a penchant for playing loose with the regulations and rule of command. I don't remember enough about the full Clone Wars series to know to remember. Is this one of the first times that we really get to see Anakin and Ahsoka side by side with another uh, Master and Padawan pairing? I believe so. Yeah, I mean, this is the first kind of really compare and contrast, right? Yeah. And it's also, I mean, there's a number of points in this where you know even Obi Wan kind of calls, well, calls they all kind of call out Anakin on how overprotective of her he is, right? Um, um, kind of irrationally so. You know, there's a, a, a lot of themes running through in terms of uh, how Jedi are supposed to be able to let go of their attachments, um, both for Ahsoka and, and Anakin, and how Anakin really is not up for that idea at all of letting go of his attachments. So he's uber protective of, uh, of Ahsoka. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got like big brother vibes times 10, you know, that, that protective older brother. That's like, you looked at my sister. Did you even look at my sister? <laughs> um, I know you didn't even <laughs> blast her towards my sister, you know? So <laughs> very, uh, like, so, so I think we may have lost Andy again. I think Andy may have, uh, we all take turns. We, we all take Jed. The thing now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's yep. It's okay, a thing. so somebody actually has a question about Star Trek. Ooh. Well, you wait. Greeting, greeting, gluttony. What's your question, greeting and gluttony? This is not a uh, this is not a Star Trek podcast, but I will happily answer your Star Trek question while we're waiting for Andy to come back. Yes. Oh, thank you, Kevin's Crossing. He's been a follower for years. Thank you. Oh, and Scuba Steve has an autographed picture of me in my uniform. Woohoo! That's awesome. Thanks, guys. <laughs> oh, you do too. Cool. Aw. Ooh, ring capacity. I'm Vader feeling is, the love. <laughs> Vader is Toby's fault. He knew about Amidala and Annie's attachment, over attachment to Ahsoka and did nothing about it. Yeah, that's super, super uh, valid. 
Super valid. On the on the flip side, though, when you have a Jedi who's got as strong and stubborn of a personality and as much of a propensity to have attachments as Anakin does. And like, let's be real. Anakin is that punk kid that it's like you tell him not to do something and he's going to do it even more. I'm not sure there was anything Obi could have done. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of all the things that he could have done. He could have put his foot down and been a hard ass about it and and. And, you know, had Ahsoka, you know, recommended that he not have Ahsoka as a pattern. There's, there's a lot of things he could have done to be a lot more iron-fisted about trying to cut off Anakin from attachments. And I think that might have tipped Anakin to the dark side almost faster because he would have become resentful. And knowing Anakin, he would not have let that go. Um, so... I'm not sure, but I mean, I think that's kind of what makes that arc so good is that was there really anything Obi could have done? Uh, he could have tried though. Like, yeah, he could have tried. <laughs> well, plus, plus Obi-Wan did not know that he was uh, fighting this battle against, you know, who would become the emperor who, and did not know that he was, you know, dark force sensitive himself. You know, if he had known that he was that he was secretly fighting for control of Anakin's soul, I think he would have approached it differently than he probably did. But I think he was trying to give him freedom to grow and become, a, you know, his own Jedi in his own right. But, so I, oh, go ahead. No, I was saying, but but like the, you know, there is that that uh, it is a hundred percent like accurate that I think that that Obi was the only person in a position to do something. He was, but he wasn't equipped to. He wasn't equipped mm. to, which is kind of speaks to a failing on the part of the Jedi Order for not teaching their not teaching their Jedi. Um, yeah. Sorry, not teaching their Jedi how to. Uh, So, um, I, uh, oh. <laughs> sorry for the dead air, guys. We're getting, we're getting, uh, <laughs> because I remembered that Rodney was creating dead air and I was like, oh no, oh no. And I was trying to keep my sentence going over his, <laughs> I was so, like, where do I look? Who do I listen to? Where do I look? <laughs> it sounds like when I'm trying to to talk over someone without talking over them and look at three different people at once. <laughs> little, little behind the scenes, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, one of the, uh, you know, I'm going to bring us down to like the, the the last episode, right? So, Brain Invaders, which I find really interesting, right? We've we've seen we've gone so the 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 path that we've gone through is we've seen this kind of gritty war with with heavy losses in in the the landing. Um, we've we've seen Barris and. Uh, 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 Ahsoka and their very different ways of approaching uh, problem solving, um, right? You know, like Barris is almost kind of ready to just kind of give up, and Ahsoka is, you know, kind of infused with this energy of Anakin of not following rules and his problem solving and coming up with new things. And she's also kind of confronted with this reality of how she is living this life that no Padawan has had 
ever before in that she is she is being forged by war. And, uh, you know, the, that last episode, Brain Invaders, the uh, the quote that it starts with is attachment is not compassion. And I want to bring uh, bring light to this this uh, this set of dialogue. Um, between Ahsoka and Barris, where she can't sleep, she's having a little bit of PTSD um, after everything that has happened, and they're on the ship, and she says, she says, I was just thinking about what you said earlier, about enjoying the peace while it lasts. As a Jedi, I'm not sure I know how to do that, and Barris says, well, Master Windu has said, we are the keepers of the peace, not warriors. However, once the war is over, it will be our job to maintain the peace. Ahsoka says, but yes, but will we be the keepers of the peace or warriors? What's the di and what's the difference? Barris says, I don't have all the answers, Ahsoka. But like you, I'm a learner. What does your master tell you? Anakin, oh, um, you might find uh, you might find some of his thoughts on the future a bit radical. Really? Why? Radical. That's, that's the word. The word. Okay. We were trying to figure out when you were. That was a word. <laughs> <laughs> And she says Was to end the modern? scene. She says to end the scene. Let's just say my master will always do what needs to be done. I'm not even sure how peacetime will agree with him. And uh, I love this scene, right? Uh, because it 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 does call into question things that will pay off in season five, right? This questioning of are we warrior monks or are we monk warriors? Um, are 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 we even monks anymore if we're warriors, right? And what does the, the act of engaging in this war mean for them? The Jedi were never set out to be generals. They were never set off to, out to be, you know, military leaders. They just happen to have the skill set. I think that... that I, I think that, like, they got so used to commanding the, um, the clone armies and each having their own battalion and um they they kind of be, you know they went from being monk warriors to warrior monks so when order 66 was uh initiated it was such a shock to their system right and that was one of the reasons why they were so easily overwhelmed and taken down by the clone by their own battalions was because they had kind of slipped into that role right yeah. Very, very true. Well, and it also gets into... And couldn't into, really get it. You can't just snap out of that, right? Well, and it, it also gets into this theme of, of attachments, right? And how they deal with attachments. I, I love this idea of, I'm not even sure how Peacetime will agree with him, referring to Anakin, right? Is that Anakin is... Both Anakin and Obi-Wan are, are basically full-on warriors now. And this is how they process things. These are their trials. Um... To, but to become peace, keepers of the peace, as they Anakin's as always says. had to be. It, it's it's really interesting. I mean, Anakin was fighting for survival, right? In the get go. Yeah, I I never thought that I would be comparing Anakin Skywalker to Steven Universe, but like here we go. <laughs> um, it's that kind of Saturday. Uh, <laughs> both of them being boys with momentously powerful parents whose identities they are not a hundred percent certain uh, you know who have these powerful lineages that come with these terribly complicated legacies and uh, they grow up they come of age uh, from a psychological standpoint a lot of brain development happens when they're in a constant state of chaos and so their normal is chaos 
their normal right. is aggressive conflict. And so it's really interesting um, from a, a standpoint now, I, I love how much Star Wars is kind of navigating that uh, part of the narrative. Um, that it's not, you know, just simply a, 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 you know, swashbuckling space adventure with, with, you know, light swords and and cool ships. Uh, that it has that it has has to do with uh, uh, trauma and generations. Um, so, so uh, we do have to wrap this up, but I want to get to a couple things before we do. So, one another important thing is we see Anakin basically make a dark choice, right? When he's um, interrogating Poggle to figure out what happened to um, um, Ahsoka's ship to save her. And uh, there's a whole thing where Obi-Wan and, uh, and, and uh, uh, the other Jedi are like, wait, you, you interrogated him? Like, how did you get him to talk? And he's like, Th that doesn't matter. All that matters is, is I have the information, right? So you see shades of that. And mm -hmm. then we also have Ahsoka having to face off against all of those, her own clone troopers, as well as Barriss, while they're under the influence of those worms, to the point where Barriss asks her to kill her, right? Uh, and of course, foreshadowing to things that happen later. And um, I want to just call call out this uh, this quote from Anakin as he's talking to Ahsoka, where she's confronting the reality of should I have killed Barriss when she asked me to? I mean, it worked out in the end, but but and he says. Letting go of our attachments is a difficult struggle for all of us. You followed your instincts. I'm sure she would agree with you that you made the right choice, right? And uh, that's just such an interesting thing, particularly what we know will happen in season five and season seven. And um, also seeing who Ahsoka became in Rosario Dawson, right? Like looking at this now, how it still ties into the grizzled warrior that we see um, in season two and her still kind of weight that she carries over the loss of Anakin. I still say that Dave Filoni stole this from the season one TNG episode conspiracy, the worms <laughs> in the brain. I'm just saying. <laughs> Called out. <laughs> um, any final thoughts? I want to thank some people who have followed us. Yay, new people. Okay, we've got Stuart Barton, 81, Scuba Steve, 1968, Roland Rock, Death Boy, 74, Magnus Omega, and Trek Tubal. Yay. Yay! Hi, friends. Thanks for the follows. Fantastic. <laughs> That's a good Saturday. <laughs> and if you do like Star Trek as well, Trek Tables in the chat, and they have a podcast as well, also about Star Trek. And they're on every Sunday. Uh, you can check them out as well. Uh, so that is it for uh, for this discussion and for this uh, arc of stories. We'll be calling out uh, another uh, another arc from Clone Wars. We'll be deciding uh, uh, what that is, and we'll go ahead and announce that next week. So we encourage you to continue watching along as we choose some of these most significant arcs as they pertain to the development of Ahsoka Tano and leading us into the upcoming Ahsoka series and, of course, into Mandalorian. Our next topic is uh, really just kind of uh, a little bit So there's more no homework for next week? 
Well, there is homework, but we'll, we'll get to that at the end of the show, because in theory, everyone's been reading along with us the, oh. uh, the, 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 uh, the High Republic. We gave them two weeks to get through 20 chapters. So. Oh, yeah. I need to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that. I can't, I can't comment on anything. I can't comment on anything because I go into I go into hyperspace when I read and I merge chapters ahead. <laughs> for for our new followers and me, perhaps you should repeat the homework assignment. Okay. Well, uh, so the plan is for next week we're going to start on Star Wars: The High Republic. We're going to be doing the first novel, which is Lexi. Um, Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. Yes. I'm really glad I didn't just spout off the one I just read. <laughs> Wait, so Light of the Jedi, it has like a sandy looking cover and there's three. Uh, I, I know they're not all full Jedis and one of them is a Wookiee, right? Yeah, one of them is it's got, it's got a Wookiee Jedi and it's got a Jedi that looks like Brie Larson. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's my fan cast is that, is that Avar Chris is one of Fan cast. Well, we can talk about that next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll be going through the first 20 chapters and we'll be kind of reacting to some of that. And uh, yeah. Oh, people are commenting the pages we're supposed to read. And I don't even know what pages. Thanks. <laughs> oh, awesome. On it, ring capacity. Thank you. Yeah. Thank pages you. 1, 142. Got to get on my Kindle. <laughs> um, and it's also available on Audible if you're lazy like me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what was the next topic? Sorry, I digress. Uh, so our next topic, uh, just taking a little bit of time, you know, we this is actually kind of reacting to uh, all of you out there um, who have been reacting to some of our social media posts. And uh, we were... Did, we did a couple of posts just to kind of celebrate some of the levels, new levels of representation in Star Wars. Um, you know, something I like to kind of point, uh, call out, or, or as I do a lot of uh, 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 equity and inclusion work in my own work, uh, is that I instead of just using uh, equ equity, diversity, and inclusion, I use justice, equity, di diversity, and inclusion, because it is the Jedi way. J-E-D-I. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so we had done a couple of posts. We did a post that were just kind of pointing out uh, various Asian Americans uh, actors who have joined the Star Wars universe or Asian American Pacific Islander actors, excuse me. Uh, you know, of course, Tamara Morrison is now back in the Star Wars realm. Um, you know, uh, uh, Ming-Na Wen is working on her Disney EGOT um, um, as she now is in Star Wars Marvel uh, and and animation, <laughs> she needs a Pixar film now, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, and of course, uh, you know, we have Pedro Pascal, and uh, uh, you know, who, who else? Um, um, um. Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Diego Luna. Diego Luna. Diego yes, Luna thank you. <laughs> and uh, uh, Latina Soka <laughs> in Rosario Dawson. Um. So Rosario Dawson, now I can like double cosplay that character and like, like just nail it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what do you guys think, kind of, of what of, of the state of uh, of inclusion in Star Wars today? 
I agree with what Tracy said that it's finally catching up to Star Trek, which like really led the charge as far as uh, space faring uh, inclusivity. Um, yeah, I mean, as, a, as just as a as a woman, really, the only female character was Princess Leia mm -hmm. for a long time until you unless you got really into the extended universe yeah. books. Um, that was that was it. And so um, and then, you know, we had Amidala. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that kept me from so, like, to have so many strong female characters diving into it was the fact the, the one of the things that kept me from like truly truly just being a very out and proud star wars fan was that like princess leia was awesome but only having her made me not dive into it to the point where i didn't know there were books until years later right like if there had been more uh female leads sooner then i might have gotten into the books and they might have they might have had a, a i don't know they might have might have made more money off more female fans sooner um Women make you would love Mara Jade. I'm just gonna throw that out there. That's what, like, you see, and that's the thing that everybody like. If I if I had if I had a, a nickel for every time I heard that, I could probably buy the book she's in. Books she's in. So, so just to catch people up, Mara Jade was a character that was introduced in the original Thrawn trilogy that was back in the '90s. It was the heir to the Empire. Uh, uh, was the first book um, by uh, by. Uh, um, Oh shoot! Why am I blanking on his name? Um, well, the author who invented uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, actually, um, oh, and Timothy Zahn. Thank you. Yes, uh, and uh, she was a character that started off with kind of a dark side path, and was ultimately redeemed as she developed uh, her relationship um, um, with uh, Luke Skywalker, which was originally antagonistic, but. Um, she kind of grew to be yeah. quite an interesting character of her, in and of her own good, right. You love a good hate to love uh, <laughs> arc. <laughs> Te technically, that's no longer canon as of yeah. uh, episode seven, eight, nine, right? right. right. Uh, well, you know, and this this brings up you know something. But Dave Filoni that... has brought in characters into Mandalorian. Yes. From mm. the extended universe, so. So I do wonder if we'll ever see some of these other characters like like Marge, like uh, Prince um, Prince uh, what's his name oh, Sizer so. or whatever like that. Um, but you know, yeah. talking about seven, eight, nine, you know, uh, there has been a lot of uh, hubbub in terms of um, how characters like Finn and 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 Rose have been basically kind of sidelined. And in fact, John Boyega has been very vocal about kind of where his arc started and where it ended up. Um, and uh, I mean, what do you guys kind of think, you know, how, you know, we're, we're living in a kind of reality where we have all the, a lot of good things that are happening in the Mandalorian, but it's still in the shadow of a lot of frustrating or unfortunate things that happened through the, the sequel trilogy. And of course, as well as, you know, the original films really, there wasn't a lot of, 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 uh, Representation, representation to begin with. Not at all. Not and at all. Paul, you know, Paul in the comments is saying there's still not a lot of people of color. And I think when I think John Boyega is right to um, to bemoan the fact that his character started out very strong, and I was so excited to see where the Finn character was going to go. So when it kind of got tossed to the as a as a side story that 
didn't wasn't as important as it should have been. It was very frustrating. And I still get angry about Rose being sidelined. And I yeah. still get angry about all the hate that she got Neither and how she was bullied off of social media. Neither of their character arcs were done justice. Neither of the character arcs were done justice. They they had the no. They they really had the the potential to be some like characters with like you know like I feel like the series gives Lando Calrissian more depth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like they give him more more time and more depth, and they really had a chance to turn those characters or at least rose into not the same character archetype, but that same kind of very rich supporting character. And they threw it away. Uh, uh, they, they threw it away. And I, I think it's a, a real pity and it does seek to speak to systemic issues and subconscious biases when um, a lot of, a lot of tumultuousness in the production area ends up resulting in actors of color being the first things that are scrapped out of convenience, yeah. um, you know? You know, it's, it's, it's also interesting, right? Like, like, uh, I, like, I know I kind of cheered a little bit when, when, when Lando shows up in um, episode nine. Right. Uh, and it's really kind of the first time we see him since uh, return of the Jedi where he, you know, he blew up the death star, right. The second death star, but you know, it is noticeable when you, you go back and you go, Oh, here's Lando Calrissian, um, and he's in charge of the city, the Cloud City. He's still the only black person in the entire galaxy. <laughs> like yeah. there aren't even there aren't even extras. Like if they're if 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 they're that rare in the galaxy, like why is he not being? <laughs> <laughs> but this is like this is what, my joke. one of my main memories. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh. Is it one of my main memories from childhood and watching Star Wars with my mom is her saying, oh, Aunt Lando is so handsome. <laughs> <laughs> I love she totally had a crush on Lando. <laughs> <laughs> how, about a, how about a nice space Colt 45? <laughs> so, oh, I, I can't, I, I don't know if you were going to say something, Andy, but um Poe, and I love the character of Poe, don't get me wrong, I love that actor, but he was supposed to be killed off in episode seven, and right. I feel like he got the arc that, in many ways, Finn should have had. Right, or could have had, yeah. But then they, but then they didn't even, like, they didn't even lean into that. They kind of, like, half-assed that, too. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, right, because yeah. now that we've seen what J.J. did with episode nine, you can kind of see what he had intended with choices he made in episode seven. Like clearly he had intended for the dyad to be Ray and Finn, right? That Finn is somehow force sensitive. That's how he's able to break the, 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 the brainwashing uh, because of the fort, like, like their proximity was kind of what set them both off or even like how she pilots the Falcon and, and they aim together with the guns mm -hmm. that are locked in. Right. It's like, they were supposed to be a dyad. Uh, but of course, that didn't happen because he didn't. They didn't lay out the map for the whole trilogy. I'm. I'm oh God, having a different director come in. Yeah, sorry. No, no. You're, <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. Having having a different director come in, and then having those directors kind of play like narrative chicken with each other in a way. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Yeah. Just like, yeah. It, yeah. And, and, and it does not surprise me. I don't think it was like overt racism, but I, I definitely like, it's definitely some heavy subconscious bias going in there that, oh, gee, the, the actors that whose character arcs just happen to get kind of tossed by the wayside happen to be the brown ones. Like, yeah. oh, gee, what a coincidence. Um, well, you know, so here's another thought, right? And this is just uh, playing devil's advocate, right? So we're talking about, um, you know, diversity representation done right versus diversity representation done wrong. Let's look back at the, the, the prequel series, in which case, you know, this speaks to something that I always like to joke about, about how for many years it was like there were more white people playing aliens than there were black, brown and, <laughs> and, yeah. and, 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 and Asian people like playing and, even themselves. Right. But, but, uh, but then we get to the prequels where we have all of these attempts to kind of create a, a larger world with more aliens and, you know, more makeup effects and more digital effects that, I'll, you know, but uh, then you end up with like the Nemoians who have this, accent that wasn't intended to be Asian, but ended up coming out as a full Japanese businessman uh, uh, stereotype. Whether it was intentional or not, that's what happened, right? Oh. yeah. Weren't you telling me that it was supposed to be Scandinavian? Uh, yeah, I think Originally it was something. Originally or something? It did not come out. I am Scandinavian. It did not come out Scandinavian. <laughs> bringing, up, bringing up interesting point. Uh, ring capacities talking about about Watto, um, and right, right, and it was very interesting because coming from uh, having got my my bachelor's in directing, every so often it comes in handy where I think about these kind of tropes that have been included, and they bring up Watto, and even though I've never read anything or even thought about that character and stereotypes, I immediately go, oh God, they're doing a bunch of yeah. things with them, aren't they? Right. I mean, even, even to the point, even yeah. to the point in episode three, where he's wearing a little round hat that resent, sort of resembles a yarmulke. It's yeah. like, oh, guys, guys, come on. Thank you for bringing that up, because I hadn't it hadn't been on my radar, hadn't had not crossed my mind. But thinking back and now coming from a place of analyzing different uh, racial tropes. I went, oh, God, that's awful. You know, kind of like when you when you watch a Jungle Book as a little kid and then you get older and you look at it and you go, they did not name the orangutan King Louie like Louis Armstrong. <gasps> you know, like it's just one of those moments where you're like, who let them do that? Um, but. Well, you know, and so this is an interesting thing, right? So rhetorical. In, in, in storytelling, right, you you're, you're trying to do world building. Uh, you want it to feel grounded. You want it, want these 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 uh, uh, characters to have a life that kind of lives beyond the page or beyond the screen or whatever like that, right? Um, and oftentimes, what we do is, what, as storytellers, we we pull from reality, right? Like Tolkien mm -hmm. created the whole world of Middle Earth, kind of drawing on uh, uh, you know Scandinavian and uh, and uh, Druidic um, uh, mythology, right? Um, um, you know, uh, even Avatar The Last Airbender is, is you know, creating a new culture 
by respectfully finding ways to weave in elements of Tibetan, Chinese, Japanese, um, you know, and 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 uh, Native American um, cultures, right? And it creates like these grounded worlds. So, what is the you know the question is like what is that line of of world building and cultural appropriation? Do you guys think? For me, that's actually it's it's very clear, not as an overall generalizing way, but it's it's clear only if you look at it case to case by case. Um, right. And that clear demarcation for me sits with what is the intention or two, two things, I guess, what's the intention in the original culture? Um, the, the aspect, the part of the original culture that you're pulling from or referencing, uh, does the intent that you're using it with match or respect the original intent? And then do you, as a person not from that group, do you profit from it? While people from the original group have been oppressed or ridiculed or marginalized for it. So did the people who made it up get shit on for it? And do you now profit from it are basically the two things. Um, And if you can say yes to both of those, then like maybe rethink. Uh, Maybe you don't need that particular aspect of that culture for your thing to land pretty well. Uh, That's where I draw the line from. <laughs> That's a great I, I always think of like uh <laughs> like even even like lock like locks right you know you've got um you've got people who are persecuted for generations for you know having a hairstyle that's a that's their natural texture whereas you know, you have a white person that does it and they're celebrated and called brave for it and it's like mm, no <laughs> <laughs> no no no. <laughs> hair does not do that. Again, I am of Scandinavian <laughs> descent. We braided our hair. We did not lock it. <laughs> you know, actually, Nene. you know, bouncing off of that, right? So one of my favorite Jedi characters from the Clone Wars era or, or the prequel era is Kit Fisto. I just think he's so cool, right? Even before they gave stories to him or or before Phil Lamar made a voice for him. I just like, this is just a cool ass design, man. Um, um, and, and the interesting thing is, is that you have a talented voice actor like Phil Lamar, who looks at this alien character who has green skin, looks kind of aquatic and has these tentacles hanging off of his head that he goes, you know, those look kind of like dreadlocks. You know what? I'm going to do his voice with kind of a, a Jamaican accent. And, and, and suddenly that becomes part of this character. At which point you have to ask, is Kit Fisto positive African-American or, 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 or Jamaican American, uh, uh, representation, or does this contribute to you know racialized body dysmorphic ambiguation? Is is it honoring the culture, or is it playing on a stereotype? Yeah, is it or is it just like an in, in arbitrary? That sounds cool. I'm going to do it. Right. I mean, I don't know. That's 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 a good question, right? Because obviously there is no Jamaican like culture infused into Kit Fisto other than, you know, this this characterization or this performance, right? And I would say his performance is still very grounded, right? But and and this is again where I think it does come into uh where that case by case thing because 
I don't know that it's a particularly harmful example, but also, you know, were I a director and an actor who was not Jamaican or not black came to me with that voice, I would be like, that's a very, very strong choice. Can you explain to me your reasons behind that? And do you have any other options? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but versus Phil Lamar, who's like, you know, looking at this guy and I see his dreads and it reminds me of this Jamaican guy I know. Right. And then it becomes real to him. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's interesting where right. the actors, the actor's authenticity and in terms of finding a performance is, a, is part of it too. Right. Oh, absolutely. And that's valid. But then again, like I said, your, your responsibility as a director then being, can I help my actor find a way into this performance in a way that doesn't uh, create some kind of issue? Uh, whether that is, you know, um, whether that is playing somebody with a disability or playing somebody of a different race or picking an accent. So I have one more devil's advocate question before we got to wrap up. Uh, we've only got a couple more minutes, but I want to leave, put this out there. So little known fact trivia. Um, George Lucas's first choice for Obi-Wan Kenobi was Toshiro Mifone and the studio would not was not down for it, right? You could have had Toshiro freaking Mifune as Obi-Wan Kenobi. If if he wow. was cast back in 1977, would he have been a Mr. Miyagi stereotype? Oh, that's a good question. Because I would have because, loved to because see Because on that. one hand... That would have been so. That would have been so cool. Not that I mean, Alec Sir Alec Guinness is such a brilliant actor. Yeah. You know, it's hard yeah. to see that character as anybody but him. Mm -hmm. I in, in 1997 or 1977, I would be a little bit more worried about a stereotype. Although they didn't really yeah. with Lando, so maybe they maybe maybe not. But um, but see, I say that, but then you get like Doctor Strange where they're changing the character to a Celtic woman. <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. I don't know. I feel like, you know, you always have to, you always have to learn from the mistakes that were made, right? You always yeah. have to learn so that you can do better. I think there would have been that's the only way, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know if that, I don't know if that would have uh, overshadowed the awesomeness of having a right. <laughs> wow. Like that would have been. So I, I think, <laughs> I'm going to jump in real quick. This is yeah, Rod. Yeah, hi, Rod. This is Rod. <laughs> you, can, Rod. you can actually hear me now. So, uh, um, yeah, you just can hear me. I don't, I don't think you'd see me, but, um, yeah, I think, I think knowing that he was such a, he, he was such a fan of the Akira Kurosawa movies and he drew so much, um, inspiration from it, from Star Wars. He probably would have just had, uh, Toshiro play, play one of the characters from oh yeah from you know like seven samurai or you know you know what I mean? he would probably have him play it like that way so i don't think it would have been but the, he did make episode one yeah it's true prequels are full of yeah those yeah, yeah yeah that, that is true that is true so i don't know it's that's a yeah. great question though that's a great question and it is you know the other thing i'm just gonna throw into this mix right is that it's always the, the 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 hard thing of of being the first, right? There are so many things that are stereotypes only because they bear the weight of being the only one, right? Uh, even I, I used to get 
made fun of and beat up as a kid, you know, bullied for Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee is still a really positive representation. But when in living in when it's when this image lives in isolation, it becomes a stereotype by force of force of the reality. Um, so, yeah. Good discussion. When well, I'm hearing one just thing I inundate it with POC, and I'm happy with that. <laughs> one thing I will say about George Lucas is I feel like he wants to honor cultures. I think he doesn't always know how, and I think that he would have done very well talking to people. And I don't yeah. know that he did. I don't. He could have. I don't know. But I feel like just based on. The characters he introduced he probably didn't and he that's something that anybody who's directing something that is not that 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 is not their culture should be at least communicating with people in that culture to make sure that they're not yeah. fucking it up and, I, and it kind of goes back to and that that brings up a good point too is if he did cast Toshiro Mifune I think Toshiro Mifune would be such a voice to George and he would say, yeah. no, that's stereotypical, right? He would have oh, pushed back. Oh, that's a good point. Right, because, well, he, and he had the pedigree to basically stand his ground for that. Whereas, like, somebody like uh, Javid, you know, Avid Best, Javid Best, or... Ahmed Best. Ahmed Best, like some of these characters, the, those people, those are like, they can't say no to George Lucas, right? But I think to somebody as of Tashira Mufune's stature could have said, like, said no to George Lucas and said, no, that's not, that's not right. So... I think I think what you're saying is very true, Tracy. Yeah. Speculative AU where Toshiro Mifune was our Obi-Wan, who would be playing young Obi-Wan instead of... Ooh. Gosh. <laughs> so so much been, food for thought. Right? Like I just, that just into my head. I went, wait, wait, you wait. Know, I will say, though, it is 9-14, so I think we should, we should uh, remember this question. Oh, yeah. And uh, if you we have should. an idea... We'll have an episode about diversity. If, if you have an idea of who you would want to see playing young Obi-Wan Kenobi Toshiro Mufune, uh, put, drop it in the chat or send it to email. Um, we're going to wrap this up for the day. It's 9-15. Wait, we uh, have a couple more followers. Okay, we have more followers. Uh, Look at that. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah, Kevin's Crossing, he's been making some good comments. I've been I've been watching your comments, Kevin's Crossing. You're, I like them. And Sorry, we didn't Dimitri, get to him. who said... I well he he was pretty he was very, pretty much agreeing with us that and uh, oh yeah yeah he's saying stuff that agrees with us we like <laughs> okay and then uh, and then Dimitri who said twenty twenty one is also another follower 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 thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so. Once again, we are the Pod Squadron. Uh, once again, next week, we are going to cover the High Republic. We're going to start the High Republic Book Club. So read along with us on February 20th. We'll have we'll be covering The Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule, chapters 1 through 20. Uh, uh, we'll announce uh, the next round of the Essential Ahsoka watch list from Clone Wars uh, for you to watch along with us. And we'll talk about it on February 27th. Um, We'll also be, uh, we want to hear from you. We want to hear more about your Star Wars creations. Uh, if you're a cosplayer, if you make fan films, you build droids, uh, models, you sell stuff on eBay, show us your Star Wars stuff. Uh, and we will 
check you out and uh, share it with everyone on our whole community. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. We're here on the Geekish Network every Saturday night at 8 o'clock. Check the schedule for all the other great shows throughout the week right here on the channel. In fact, I will be on the Pan Geekery Show podcast this coming Monday at 8 o'clock p.m. We will be talking about His Dark Materials Season 2, Episode 5 through 7, because it was a short season because they, they had the shutdown shooting during COVID. And we'll also cover... WandaVision episodes five and six. And, I and I'm going to guest host. And, and Trace is going to guest host. So Wanda, it'll be like. WandaVision is a show that just keeps making me go, wait, what? And like rewinding <laughs> it for a minute. Oh. And I'm like, I saw that, but I need to see that again. Yeah. So good. So good. I have so many opinions on this show. Definitely want to tune in back. So yeah, so tune in back here, Geekish Network, eight o'clock on Monday. I am the Chinese Pirate. You can find me at Chinese Pirate underscore on all platforms. And Tracy. And happy New Year, Andy. And uh, I'm Tracy, also known as the Hot as Hot Nerd Girl. And I'm Hot Nerd Girl on Facebook and Hot Nerd Girl official on Instagram and Hot underscore Nerd underscore Girl on Twitter. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the things. And let's that see. That other one. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, uh, don't try and find me yet. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, I'm, I'm Soon. You'll find her soon. You'll find me soon. I'm doing some, I'm doing some rebranding. Uh, but I do have a lot of my projects on theferalgeek.com. And we are the Are we going to raid? Yes, are we rating are we, anyone? Let's know if we're going to rate anyone. Yes, but, uh, we're, we're rating sure Denise, Denise Pendoha. Yes, we're going to raid uh, Denise. I don't know her. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Uh, but basically, she was a uh, former coworker of one of our producers, Mike Flores. They both worked at Geek and Sundry together. So she's one of the former Geek and Sundry crew. So we're going to raid hey. her. So go over hey. there, say hello, say hello to her. <laughs> Send some uh, geekish and pod squadron love to her and give her a follow. And once again, thank you to Digital Click and to Aaron Nabus for all the bits. And uh, once again, like and subscribe on like and subscribe us on Twitch, on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram for podcast uh, subscriptions. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And remember, the truths we cling to depend on our own point of view. Only the Sith deal in absolutes. <laughs> <laughs> only the Sith deal in absolutes always makes me go, Obi, are you a secret Sith? You just said only. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, uh, everyone. Good night. I have to pee. <laughs> Obi, go, go, go. <laughs> and you had out. already gone over, right? Yeah. Wait, no, did people no, hear that? They, they heard oh, that okay. part. They heard that part. They heard the pee. They heard the pee part. Yeah, they heard the pee part. <laughs> <laughs>